Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your angel medium, Julie Jancis, and today we're sharing your angel stories. Why do our angels and loved ones above show us signs? Yes, they want us to know they're okay and at peace, but deeper than that, they want us to connect with them so that they can help us more from the other side. Friends, it all begins with your intuition, vibration, and experiencing oneness. Your intuition is your soul's voice. It's also how your loved ones talk to you from heaven. In this podcast, we teach you how to turn up the volume on your intuition so that you can hear their loving messages more clearly. We also teach you how to raise your vibration and feel your oneness with all that is. Friends, you are here to love, give love, receive love, be love, radiate love. And because your soul is love, all you really ever have to do is just be. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I am here with Dr. Katherine Wilkins. She is going to be telling us her angel story. We talk about Dr. Wilkins, um, just angel stories where we know, like we know, like we know that it was the other side coming through and showing us their presence. Before we dive into your angel story, though, I want to talk about one other piece from your book, The Soul's Brain. You talk about there, I think it's the most fantastic nugget. Instead of saying, can I, you know, can I do this? If we change that and add the word how, it changes everything. I want you to talk to us a little bit about this because, friends, this is just going to change your life right here, right now. (laughs) Yeah. So first of all, I think that one of the really beautiful things about intuition is that if when you know how to how to work it, it has the capacity to show us the most graceful and easy path in life so that we don't have to have quite so many bumps in the road. And a lot of that, you know, as I said before, when we're working with energy, it's all about focus and intention. So those two questions, even though there's only one little word difference, it has a very different focus and quite a different intention. So when we ask ourselves, can I do this? You know, we're actually focused, even if you don't think you are, you're actually focused on the problems. You know, can I do this? You know, there's so much to overcome, you know, la, 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 whatever. And then the problem is, is that when the answers are either yes or no, you know, so the the intention behind that question, again, it, whether you're conscious of it or not, the intention behind that question is, will you give me permission? Will the universe give me permission? You know, and to me that that is an understanding, the fact that actually our function in life is to take part in the co-creation of all things. If whatever we're doing is in alignment with who we really are, so because that's that's one thing I would say to people to check in is it's like, well, you know, check in with your soul seat, check in however you check in to make sure that this is part of your brilliance, you know, is going to help you be more you, then the answer is yes. So, you know, that's a silly question. And the problem is with the question that, you know, can I do this? It's a question that's got all downside and and no no real upside. 
Because if the answer is no, well, you've just stopped yourself. And if the answer is yes, you, you're not any further forward. Okay, so enough of that question because that's a fairly useless question to ask yourself. So we, we change it by saying, how can I do this? And again, you know, focus and intention. So the focus is very, very different. The focus is on, on your outcome. Your focus is automatically on where you're going. So you're not worrying about permission. You know that this is part of the expression of who you really are. Therefore, it's got to take place. And again, your intention is to, to get it done, is to get there. So the intention is to find that pathway that will get you there in the most elegant, easy way. Because, you know, we are navigating, you know, a tricky environment called planet Earth, you know. So particularly if what you're doing is, is something that's a little bit new or, you know, is a little bit currently beyond your reality, there are, you know, there are some parts of your life that are going to have to stretch or change in order for you to be able to do that. But you can find the, the most, you know, easy and graceful path. So the, the question, how can I do that? It has no downside because there's no, there's no no in it. There is, you're asking, you're assuming, okay, I can get this done. It, because it's part of who I really am, there must be a way for me to get this done. And it has all upside because what by asking how can I do this, your intention is to get the information that you need in order to navigate in the most elegant way possible. You know, this really made me think of something as I was listening to you speak it. Uh, when I was a young girl, my mom would tell me over and over again, Julie, when you're older, you're going to write books, you're going to write books. And I used to look at her like she had two heads, like other people <laughs> write books. I don't write books. You're crazy. And I was very early on in my journey as a healer. And I went to a song, a sound gong bath where you're yeah. just have like yoga mat after yoga mat and everybody's in there. Half the people are snoring because you're just in these <laughs> yummy deep. <laughs> and I would immediately go into like visualizing, like they just bring in one visual after another, after another. And I had this a visual of being like at a Borders or a Barnes and Noble being at this table that had this tablecloth on it and signing my names. And I thought, really, <laughs> that's going to happen one day. I'm going to write a book. And I, I realized, you know, as, as I was coming across your work that I have always been asking myself the question, can I actually write this book, which made it ah. feel like this energy of climbing Mount Everest. And it's not the question when I change the question, how do I write the book? I'm able to break it down into little steps. Okay. I need to create this space within my day to do this. I need to break out the chapters. Maybe I need to get a writing coach. Maybe I need, you know, but this is how. And like, oh, it was like the <laughs> gates open. And it was like, oh, that's what I've been missing. My Dr. Wilkins angel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that. I, I want to know about your angel stories. Tell us about an impactful moment where you knew, like you knew, like you knew that it was the other side coming through to you. Okay. So this, this sort of comes in a couple of parts, you know, cause I, 
I was born, like my family, I mean, you know, I taught science and stuff, you know, quite comfortably because uh, you know, that was the family I grew up in. I mean, my, my father was a mathematician and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So I was kind of like I was this spiritual cuckoo in the, the scientific nest. So <laughs> when I was little, I, I always I talked to what I called invisible people. Yeah. But, you know, my family just thought I was a bit weird, you know. <laughs> So you always have one weird kid, apparently. Anyway. That's so um, hard. That's so hard to go through. <laughs> but I was right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so one particular day, I don't even know what it was, but my my mum had said some stuff to me that I'd, I'd found quite upsetting and so my inv- invisible friends came and, and talked me through it and they were, you know, you know, they were telling me how it didn't really have anything to do with me. It had to do with her relationship with her father and they gave me the whole psychological rundown. And because I, well, you know, I was a kid, so I was very naive. See, strangely, I think if I had known, if I'd had the wisdom then to know, you know, you perhaps want to be have a little bit of discernment as to who you tell these that you know these things to it probably would have been different but you know I very foolishly thought oh well that made me feel so much better maybe it would make mum feel better if I went and told her about it about her relationship with her dad yeah that's how silly I was (laughs) so I went and explained it to her yeah you know that's what you want from your you know your little your little daughter, you you know, you want her to explain your psychological framework for you. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So my mum, you know, she said to me after I explained all that, she said to me, you know, I think you're too old to talk to imaginary people. And, again, because I was a bit silly, I thought, you know, and I was trying to be a good girl. So I told most of them to go away you know, because, you know, I had to sort of figure out about how to be down here instead of up there with them. And But the interesting thing is mum told me I couldn't talk to imaginary people. So if people were, so I was trying to figure out who was imaginary and who wasn't. I was the logic of a child, remember. Oh, my gosh, the cutest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, there was was a, a guy, he lives sort of further north in Queensland we met years and years later like he he and I used to sort of play together telepathically so we met years and years later always nice to have a bit of confirmation when you're a science person like me so that was an interesting setup but then the, when the angel said to me well what about us are we imaginary and so I was brought up Catholic so when you're brought up Catholic you're meant to have a guardian angel mm-hmm. and again remember this is the logic of a child so I said, well, I'm meant to have a guardian angel. I think that means I'm allowed to talk to one of you but not all of you. <laughs> <laughs> so so they talked about monks themselves and fortunately because, you know, they're pretty sensible, they decided it should therefore be someone that could handle, you know, basically anything I might run into down here. So, you know, long story short, effectively Archangel Michael ended up being kind of like the one angel I could talk to. So, you know, anyway, life goes on. You know, I start to question all of that. And because I've got angels in the Catholic basket, 
when I gave that away, you know, I, I stopped talking. I, I actually, most of that stuff got shut down one stage at a time, except for when it really needed to break through. Now, obviously, you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if years later I hadn't opened it all back up again and, and that kind of thing. But when I was in, like, I was just at uni, I don't know, maybe you call it college, I don't know, but I was driving my first little car, which was a little yellow Gemini called that I used to call Henrietta, and I was driving her along some of the back roads in Australia, and I came down to this corner, which it was the first corner in a very windy bit, mm-hmm. and because that particular road, even though it was just a dirt road, but it was a shortcut between two of the major towns in in country Australia and so you know I was a relatively inexperienced driver obviously at that point and so I hadn't actually taken into account that the semi-trailers went along that road because it was a shortcut and that first corner they braked really heavily on it so I came down I'd slowed down going into the corner but I hadn't taken into account all of that. And so th- there was like a foot and a half of powder dirt on the on the corner and hitting that. So it was like hitting ice. Like I hit the corner and the car just started to go, foom, 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 started to spin, you know, t- time slowed down as it does. I was perfectly calm. You know, I had this this image of because where I was going, they just they would just think I decided, you know, to not turn up or whatever. The family did, wouldn't be expecting me back until late that evening. There was no one around. I mean, it was a country Australian road. There was, you know, no barriers on the on the side of the, the hill. The car was now spinning, you know, far enough out over the edge that I could see, uh, you know, the glint of water in the creek at the bottom of the of the very steep hill. And I had this visual in my mind that the car would, I mean, this was before airbags and everything, the car would go tumble, 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 crash into the, the bit of water at the bottom of the creek and I would I would basically be there in this really groggy state for a couple of hours and then I would go. So I had that very clearly in my mind and my, my thought at the time was, oh, looks like I'm out of here, which I confess I wasn't altogether unhappy about anyway but then I got this really kind of sheepish feeling that that's not what was supposed to happen and that was coming from well Michael really and he was basically saying you know as always I mean you know it the law of free will it was my choice but the feeling was yeah maybe that's not the choice I'm meant to make so you know but I tried everything that I knew, you know, like I, I knew a little bit of advanced driving, but, you know, the, there was just no traction. The car was still going boom, boom, but just really slowly. Anyway, I knew Michael was there, even though it was at that point in my life that I was sort of ignoring all of that side of things. So I just, I said to him, you know, telepathically, well, if you don't if you don't want me to leave, I suggest you do something because otherwise it looks like I'm out of here. At, you know, on that thought, the car stopped dead, spun one and a half times back into the road and came to a complete halt. Wow. At which point, yeah, at which point I went, okay, I guess you don't want me out of here just. <laughs> but you know, it, it was actually some years before I shared that story with anyone because, yeah, as I said, yeah, I yes. that wasn't the kind of environment I'd sort of been brought up in. Wow. 
friends, one of the questions that I get most from you is, Julie, how do I know that this is my intuition? Julie, how do I know that this is really my angels communicating with me? Julie, how do I know if this is really a sign? Friends, the entire month of April, we are diving into a lesson within the Angel Membership. It's an entire course on trusting your intuition. Now, friends, if you're like, but Julie, this feels frustrating to me. I should just be able to trust more, right? Wrong. Friends, you have been taught since you were a very small person not to trust your intuition. We have been socialized to think that one brain type is better than the other. And for those of us who are deeply empathic, and if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely are. We were taught otherwise. We were taught to eat everything on our plate or else we weren't going to get dessert. We were told not to cry. You know, we were told all of these things as children. And what it actually did was wire us in a way where we weren't trusting of ourselves. We weren't trusting our intuition. And that has carried over from childhood into adulthood for most people. So going through this course is undoing the programming within your mind, undoing these past notions of, you know, just tough it out. You have to learn how to trust yourself. And there is an entire course for you on this that I have channeled from Spirit. So if you'd like to be a part of this, look in the show notes below. All April, we are diving into trusting your intuition. And I'm so, so excited for you to really grasp onto this yummy material because once you have this, it really solidifies that foundation within you. And you know, like you know, like you know, when spirit's working with you, how they're working with you, you trust it, you believe in it. And friends, that's the energy that you have to have because it keeps your energetic auric field open. And all of the new yummy experiences that spirit is trying to bring your way coming through, right? Because the opposite of trusting your intuition is not trusting it. And that's where you block yourself. So come on over to the angel membership. We will help you to trust yourself, to trust your intuition. Now, when we first, we were talking before we recorded the other podcast and you were saying that if you wrote another book, you would call it the Seraphim Angels. Talk to me about- Uh, Well, the Seraphim Project, really. Okay, perfect. Yeah, talk to me about that. Well, first of all, I mean, we we talk about Michael as if he's an archangel, but he's he's actually one of the Seraphim. So I don't know how, you know- if if you talk about this on your on your po- you know because you talk all about angel stuff, but there's actually nine orders of angels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the Catholic tradition, you know they don't talk about a lot, but it's there, and so it's kind of like the the energy of the divine source or God is so intense, you know, humanity can't deal with it. So the seraphim, you know, they're the ones that are closest to the, the throne of God. 
and they kind of step the energy down a little bit. And then you, it's almost like their orders of angels are like this series of transformers that are stepping the energy down and down and down and down and down to a level that humanity can cope with. And because, you know, talking about the egoic mind, I mean, most, in my experience, most of humanity seem to think that, you know, it's all about, it's all about us, you know, and we don't really think about the consciousness of angels evolving, you know, it's just, you know, they're only there to help us sort our stuff out, you know, whatever. <laughs> but of course, you know, they have their own lives, their own consciousness, their own souls to to nurture and grow too. And so if if you look, if you flip it on its head and you look at the orders in the reverse order, it's actually kind of a neat way of not only understanding how they're you know, the way their consciousness evolves because it's kind of like different, just like we have different years at school and, you know, college and stuff. Well, you know, so it's it's them. It's their, that's their training program. But it's it's actually quite a cool framework for the development of, of consciousness generally. So, you know, so the lowest order is, you know, angels, which, you know, they're all about love and compassion. It's all very, you know, empathic and heart-based and that's lovely. And then we have archangels, which is more about truth, you know, so dealing with the tough stuff. Then, you know, you have principalities who really, you know, it's it's about integrating both of that, you know, love and truth so that you can look after your own integrity. From there, you go to the powers. The myth about the powers is they were the, the, the one order of angel that was created after the fall. So they actually can hold integrity incredibly fiercely. And then you have your virtues, which are kind of, they're one of the angels that have a really weird description, but that's because angel, like virtues, they're more, they're kind of like the, the angelic version of nature spirits. Like they look after things like, you know, the rain and the wind and the plants and stuff. Then you have dominions. So See, when we're looking at dominions, we're now looking at being able to not just create our own life, but to have an interdependent life. For example, I mean, one of the biggest questions of our time is, you know, is humanity going to be able to get over this view, this very egoic view that nature is there to serve us? And are we going to actually learn to be able to develop a co-creative approach to life with, you know, even with nature, not just, I mean, it you know, for some of us, it's it's tough enough to develop that with each other, but also with, if you like, other life forms like nature, because that is what is necessary if we're going to have a truly, you know, creative experience in life. Anyway, so that's that's kind of like the dominions. Then from there you go, the next one up is thrones, and they're one of those other angels that have this really weird description. You know, they've got multiple heads and a weird number of arms and eyes and things but that's because they you know they they cross dimensions you know so they're not just in this one little third dimension that we hang out in as humans they they can go into any dimension so so that is if you like developing that really non-linear holographic understanding of life and yeah when you look at that kind of thing from a linear perspective it does look a bit weird so you know Fair enough. Then cherubim, which are those kind of weird little fat babies with wings, they're they're actually, you know, beings of 
you know, power and majesty and all that kind of stuff. But for me, the cherubims, they, they're learning to create really from just pure joy. So it's it's actually being able to be constantly in that, you know, the, the creative flow of the universe, which is in that, I mean, it was Joseph Campbell that said, follow your bliss. Well, you know, for most humans, when they try to just be in that bliss state all the time, you know, they can't, they can, it either fries their head or they become quite useless and, you know, they just sit and meditate all the time. Useless, not to themselves, you know, I mean, you know, they don't do anything. They just sit there and enjoy the bliss of it all. But it's like how do you be in that 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 intense joy without it becoming like a drug and overwhelming you? You know, how do you be in that intense state and still express who you really are? So, you know, your sense of self has to be actually greater than that fierce joy. So it's just how you express yourself. Yeah. And then by the time, of course, you get to being a seraphim, well, it's then you are fully participating as a co-creative force in the creation of all things so it's well you know you're you're not just being um self-realized by that point you're being you know god realized or realized as a divine soul yeah 100 percent. yeah so the thing is as i said that you know it, it is a framework for developing your consciousness but you know, it really helps, as I said, if you have that, you know, if you're operating in a way, if you're operating as a soul to start with rather than as a body. So you're you're actually operating from understanding the different resonances. Mm-hmm. No, this is so amazing. I love the way that you described it. One of the things that came in very early on when I started, I learned energy healing and immediately I was doing energy work. I would be working with somebody and then there was this like multiple, you know, beings on the other side. They were just right there in front of me and some were angels and some were loved ones on the other side. And very quickly, you know, because when you work with one or two people, you get a couple of things, but then when you start to see the same thing over and over and over again in thousands of sessions or hundreds of sessions, you know, oh, okay, when this comes up, this is what it is. I feel like I'm more visual than when you were talking about feeling into the different energies and feeling what amplitude you're at or what frequency you're at. I get very strong visuals coming through. And yeah. one of Well, the- you can... Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to say, you know, tweak that a little because, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I switch between feeling and visuals because that's the way my head works. But, yeah, I mean, you can use the visuals, but you can use the visuals to still lock in on that exact resonance. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the frequency. You can almost like, you know, seeing the frequency and the amplitude. For sure. sure. Yeah, so it's like in my mind I've almost got this chart with all the points of resonances you know plotted on them it's weird oh my head is weird gorgeous no I love it I I get your brain I get it But, you know, one of the first angels that came through and I I immediately like went to the internet and tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything on her was Archangel. Well, she came through as an Archangel, but she's a Seraphim angel. I feel like sometimes they fluctuate between two elements, like, like you were talking about the principalities, the cherubs and the Seraphim. I feel like they're all doing a lot of work and they all 
kind of tie together in a way. But Serafina came through over and over again. And when I went to write it out, it wasn't an S-E, it was an S-A-R-P-H-I-N-A. And when I went to kind of find some research, all I could find was that that's the Jewish singulate spelling of seraphim. So she came through, but what was wild was I was actually working with students, teaching other people how to do this work. And one of my students texted me one day and she's like, I don't know what this is, but this angel has been with me this whole time. And here's exactly how she looks. And here are the colors that are coming through. And I mean, she described her personality. She described everything about her to a T. And it's just so amazing that you can take different people from different backgrounds and, and everybody's having these similar experiences across the world. I'm wondering if you've seen her come up because I haven't found her in any research, but I do see her with you, with your work and the work that you do. So I just wondered if that's something that's come to you as well. Well, I'm not conscious of her. I, but having said that, I've probably been, you know, because when I talk to them, it's like, you know, weirdly, I sort of, I've got to the point that I don't really even, until I'm asked, I probably don't even go looking for names for them. Sure. Because I just, I know, you know, it's kind of like in, in a lot of the old stories they used to talk about, you know, the the original kind of language or the old language and that, you know, if you know the name of something in the old language, then you've got power over it or some nonsense like that. But I think it's because um, in the, you know, of course, I mean, to me, their their resonance is their name. Mm. You know, I've sort of got to that point. That, and so I don't, half the time I don't even really go looking for names. I mean, when yeah. my students ask me what I'm doing or whatever, I'll stop and I'll have to kind of translate. Yeah. But I don't, I don't sort of do that translation for myself anymore. Yeah. Having said that, I have been probably you know talking to the the seraphim more than more lately yeah and I'll just share this because I feel like I should and it's been something that I've been thinking about lately it's an interesting thing you know we we talk about the importance of empathy right and but the way that most people talk about it is that empathy is you know being able to feel the pain of another okay and you know, so I've been talking to the seraphim and they pointed out to me really that it's like, well, we don't talk about empathy as being the capacity to share joy. And yet that side of it is a much stronger indicator of health, the health of the relationship and of the people who are involved in it than the ability to share people's pain. That's so beautiful. Oh, gosh, that gave me like the warm yummies all over. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. So so what do you see happening? I believe that we have free will and that there's so much energy shifting here on Earth. But what do you feel is, you know, the direction that we're headed? And what kind of like last tidbits do you have for humanity to work towards this healing process okay so right last question so she she leaves the biggest question for last (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right so 
just as we evolve as individuals, humanity as a whole evolves. Yeah. So, and quite frankly, humanity as a species is very young. I mean, you can tell that. I mean, most most of what most of the ways that people deal with things is, you know, still quite well. It's in a it's a fairly immature way of dealing with things. And but part of that is connected with the fact that we still have this right wrong thinking. And that worked fine when we were in sort of tribal societies and all this kind of stuff. But now that the world is so interconnected and not just, you know, with one group of people with another, but, you know, our capacity to have an impact on nature. I mean, if you look at history, there have been a number of civilizations, you know, down the centuries that have got to the point where you know, nature was in a desperate state and the civilization collapsed. But because it was only in one area, you know, nature actually was able to recover. I mean, they, they've shown, for example, that over the centuries, England has been deforested and reforested and deforested and reforested, you know, a number of times. But because it's only in one area, as I said, nature was able to, to, to recover. But, of course, we've got to the point now I mean, one of the things that I say is that humanity is in spiritual puberty. We've got to the point where we have we have all this power, but we don't have a lot of wisdom. We don't have enough wisdom yet, you know, just like most teenagers. <laughs> I said that to, to one of my clients once and she goes, oh, does that mean we have spiritual acne? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that resonates so much because I have been saying like the energy and I was like, I'm like, I don't know why this keeps coming up, but I keep seeing this pimple that's like about to pop. Like, that has been the energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just like most teenagers, I mean, some teenagers will just wipe themselves out before they get to maturity, but some of them hopefully will, you know, not make too big a mistakes and we'll actually be able to survive into maturity and you know sort things out and so on and go on to lead a fulfilling life well and of course we know like with teenagers that some of that is like sure you know that they are working on both of those things they've, they've they need to figure out who they are but at the same time they need to figure out how to how to be in the world so and you want to be able to be in the world in such a way that you can be who you really are and express that in such a way that you support other people to be who they really are. But until we get to that point, we tend to just, you know, go, well, that's just the way, you know, I'm whatever teenage nonsense we go on with. And, yeah, humanity still seems to be very stuck in the teenage nonsense. So, but we've reached a point you know, because power is easier to acquire than wisdom, we've reached a point where we have enough power that, you know, and we're, we're so interconnected now that the right-wrong game is just not going to work anymore because, because of the interconnection. You know, we can't make nature wrong and humanity right. We can't, but then we can't make nature right and humanity wrong. We, ha you know, so it is we need to develop that interconnected pattern-based, fractal-based logic and the systems thinking that goes along with it, that is the logic of our intuition because that 
actually helps us understand how everything fits together into a larger pattern. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, we'll we'll make it. And but quite frankly, if we don't, we won't because we'll continue to, you know, hang on to a a viewpoint just because we think it's right. Yeah. You know, I mean, and this is this is the problem with, you know, regardless of what flavor it is. It's the problem with fundamentalism all around the world, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's whether that fundamentalism is a particular religion or if it's science. I mean, there is this thing called scientism where people have sort of made a weird religion out of science. Mm-hmm. It's the capacity. It's sort of like what you said right at the beginning of the, you know, the, the first bit that we did, which was I don't know that you used these exact words, but it was about learning, you know, we need to sort of, both be open to things but at the same time maintain our discernment mm-hmm. you know I mean my dad used to joke with me he used, to, he used to say your mind is so open everything falls out of it yeah you want to be open to things but it's about being open to things you know through the filter of does this how how does this support me to be more of who I really am and if it doesn't support you, well, that's fine. It doesn't make it wrong. It just means that's there to support someone else to be who they really are. Right, right. Yeah. And when we develop that kind of approach to things, you know, we won't just be fine. We'll be, we'll be brilliant. You know, and I think, so this is what happens with the podcast. I mean, you and I have now spent almost two hours together and we're just getting yeah. into the And I'm, I am going to need to have to yeah. go soon, yes. So so we're going to, we're actually going to split this into two full episodes. And I wanted to invite you, you know, and if this resonates with you, awesome. If it doesn't, totally, no worries. But if you wanted to come back on in 2021 and do one more show, I think that, sure. you know, breaking into, how you know to be in the world and support others and who they are while we remain you know you know just what we're ending on here I think there's a a whole nother one that we could dive into if you're up for it we could totally yeah sure yeah of course I'm up for it I mean that's in many ways it's why why I do the work that I do and why I wrote that book is because in that book you know well, if you're familiar with the book. So it's in three sections. So the first section is really how to get yourself stable in your own connection to yourself. The second section is, okay, now you know who you are. These, this is how you can express yourself, you know, with, with a bit more power and effectiveness. But the last section is, yeah, how to develop those interdependent skills so that we can exactly do that, like be, be in the world as who we really are. And in such a way that it is, you know, co-creative. So it's, you know, it's we're looking after our integrity, but we're expressing it in such a way that, you know, we are supporting the integrity of others. So sure, love to. Ah, amazing. Thank you, Beyond. Thank you for your time. Tell people where they can find you online. We're going to put the links to your books and, and everything in the show notes before, but tell people where they can find you. Okay, well, I'm not, I might, I might live on the other side of the world, but I'm not hiding here. (laughs) (laughs) So, look, they can find me through the website, which is fractology.info. They can find me through through Facebook, which is Dr. Catherine Wilkins. They can find me through the, the YouTube channel, which is Living Intuitively. 
And obviously they can also find that I'm all through my book so they can find me by reading my book, which is The Soul's Brain, The Neurology and Logic of Your Intuition. So, yeah, all of that. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're, you're doing in this world. And oh, I can talk to you for days, but I know you got to go and get ready for your sessions. So we'll be in touch. Thank you again. No, you're welcome. That's great. Okay. Thanks, Julie. Bye. Thank you.